song on high, the virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ born. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this evening will be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of Matthew. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Almighty God, in your grace you have sent us Jesus to be our Savior, to be our Lord, and yet, Lord, you send him in a way that is so utterly surprising to us. Lord, we come to you this year full of anxiety and frustration and tiredness because of this year, and we're ready for it to be over, and yet, Lord, there's more work to be done, and you have called us to serve you at this time. Help us, Lord, at these times to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I pray now, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. We finally made it, 2020. Christmas is here, which means the new year is coming, and this is very exciting for a lot of people. But i got to tell you, uh, we need to talk a little bit about something that's happened uh, last year at Christmas, 2019 at Christmas. Uh, something happened to you, and you need to be made aware of it. You were lied to. There was one who told you, or probably perhaps many people, who told you a lie last year during the Christmas season in 2019. Now, you may not have found out that this was a lie. You may have not been prepared for it to be a lie. In fact, you probably heard this and thought it was good news only to find yourself deceived by it later on. And I don't know exactly who told you this lie. It could have been Frank Sinatra or it could have been Ella Fitzgerald or any number of popular Christmas singers this time of year. But they came to you and they told you a lie. See, they enticed you. They invited you to have a merry little Christmas based off of this lie, beckoning your heart to be light. Why? Because they said, next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Yeah, thanks for nothing, 2019 and your lies, <laughs> 2020. Our troubles have not been out of sight. So we're coming to Christmas Eve tonight, and we're kind of thinking maybe we can just escape all of this frustration that we face in the last year for a little while. Maybe we can forget about the lie. And just feel a little good about tonight. Not have to think about COVID and election stuff and all of this craziness. Maybe our troubles can be out of sight just for now. Except where do we find ourselves today? Watching a Christmas Eve service online because of the pandemic. Is this what you wanted to do? Is this how you wanted to have your Christmas Eve worship? Is this how you wanted to celebrate this year? Perhaps uh, kept away from family, not being able to go to the parties and celebrate the way you normally do? I mean, we want to avoid all of this. We want to get away from all of this. But the reality is our troubles are all up in our face right now. But we just want to get away. The whole situation, I think, is, is really quite fascinating, especially in light of our reading from the gospel today. As, as we read our gospel uh, here on Christmas Eve, we find Joseph. And I wonder if Joseph, if we couldn't really identify with him in the reading. Joseph was a man who wanted to get away, who wanted his troubles to be out of sight. 
Joseph, you will recall, uh, is the adopted father of our Lord. Not the paternal father of our Lord Jesus, but actually the adopted father. You see, uh, Joseph uh, was not the paternal father. We know that Jesus is, in fact, uh, the son of God. And he was placed in the womb, by Mary, uh, placed in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. But you've got to imagine, if you think Frank Sinatra lied to you last year, how do you think Joseph was feeling during that conversation with Mary when she came to him and said, hey, uh, I'm pregnant? I imagine it was something like this. Mary comes to Joseph and she's like, well, Joseph, I, I'm excited. I, I'm going to be a mother. And Joseph looked at her and said, you know, I'm excited too. I can't wait to be a father. We're going to be married soon. It's going to be great. And Mary's like, no, no, I mean, I'm going to be a mother uh, soon. See, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And Joseph says, pregnant? How could this happen? Well, no, wait, I, I know how this can happen. Who did this to you? Why did this happen? Mary, what have you done to me? Who has done this? I'm going to kill him. And Mary's like, well, probably not. <laughs> You're probably not going to kill him. And, and I got to tell you, Joseph, it's actually all on the level here. What actually happened was an angel appeared to me and the power of the Holy Spirit came over me and the child in my womb is from God. And Joseph responds by saying, oh, well, cool. Hey, we're going Christmas caroling later. You want to go? I mean, this should be fun, right? Of course, that's not how it happened. First, they weren't going Christmas caroling. They didn't have Christmas carols yet. Jesus wasn't born. And second, Joseph heard this, and he was like, you've got to be kidding me. He felt betrayed. He felt lied to, and so he wanted to get away. Now, in, in those days, Joseph had options for how he could get away. He could have, according to the law, whether we like the law or not, according to the customs and the law of the day, he could have taken Mary and brought her out into the street and have her humiliated and stoned to death. He could have done that. But Joseph was a good man, and he refused to handle things that way. The scriptures tell us this, Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Nonetheless, Joseph's troubles were not out of sight, and he just wanted to get away from them. As I said, I think we can really identify with Joseph here, and I think Joseph can identify with all of us who are facing all kinds of troubles. We want to get away from our troubles. We want our troubles to be out of sight. We want 2020 to come to an end. We want all of this stuff to just be over with. But I'm going to tell you the truth today because you're in church and I'm a preaching and then we're not allowed to lie. So here's the truth. Our troubles aren't actually going anywhere. We may have some things handled. I mean, I thank God that we think we have a vaccine now and I'm praying, uh, literally praying that this vaccine works. But you've got to understand that even if the vaccine works, it's not going to eradicate disease. And I know now that the election cycle is over, at least I think the election stuff is over. I don't know. I suppose we'll figure that out uh, along the way. But the reality is uh, so much stuff that goes into our political discourse right now, the, pitter, uh, the bitterness, uh, the strife, the hatred, that stuff isn't going away at all anytime soon. I mean, I'm praying that 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020, but I think we are all fooling ourselves if we think that the new year uh, is going to be an escape from our troubles and our trials, and next year all our troubles will be out of sight. It's just simply not true. I mean, again, I'm praying that 2021 is better, and quite frankly, I'm praying that we, as people, are better in 2021. Because even though we've suffered throughout a whole bunch of stuff this year, so often when we're in the midst of these difficult and trying times, we don't respond in love and mercy and kindness, but we respond with sin. 
these things tend to bring out the worst in us. And you have to be honest that in this past year, you have been as much a part of the problem as everyone else. You and me both. You have helped contribute to the strife. You've helped contribute to the anxiety. You've judged others because they have different views than you. You've judged others because you think the way they're handling things and conducting themselves is callous and cavalier. And so they parade themselves around with their callous and cavalier attitudes while you judge them and condemn them for doing the same, but all the while doing the same thing. You've tried to escape the judgment and frustration by judging and condemning others. I know. I've done it too. Like Joseph, in an effort to get away from all of this, we have not shown love and compassion, especially towards those who desperately need it the most. And let's be honest, even if we could get away, things wouldn't get any better because wherever we go, we're still there. And our sinful heart is still with us, and we're still bringing our own attitudes and our judgments and our sins look to get away we look to escape but it just doesn't seem to work and it's never really going to happen and after all this is not how our god works it's interesting as we read the passage today god won't let joseph get away because ours is a god who doesn't seek an escape it's something worth knowing about our god here ours is a god who doesn't look to get away from troubles or distance himself from troubles But ours is a God who comes near to them, who takes them on himself, who endures them, and who suffers them. You see, when troubles arise to run away, that's not the nature of our God because that's not the nature of love. Running away from troubles, that's not how love works. That's not how God works. And so Joseph, as he's looking to leave these troubles to get them out of sight, Something else troubling, or perhaps better said, exhilarating, is given to him. An angel appears to Joseph in the midst of all of this in a dream. And the angel says to Joseph, Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Notice what God does with Joseph here. God doesn't let Joseph escape. No, God sends Joseph back to Mary. And he tells Joseph, look, Mary is no Frank Sinatra. She's telling you the truth. This child in her womb is, in fact, the Son of God. And indeed, he is in the womb by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mary hasn't been unfaithful. She has been the picture of faith. And now, Joseph, you have been given the responsibility of raising this divine child alongside this blessed mother. He is directed to go back to Mary. And God gives Joseph to Mary as a husband. Mary is his wife. And this is a dangerous thing to have happen. This is a a troubling thing to have happen to Joseph because, you see, this could ruin his reputation. This could ruin his career. This could ruin his life and his relationships with people around him because here's the reality. His neighbors, his co-workers, his family, they're not buying the virgin birth story either. But God 
has given this child to be the world's savior, to be Joseph's savior and Mary's savior. But God has also given Joseph and Mary to raise the child. In the midst of all the trouble and the strife, to love. See, ours is a God who doesn't allow us to run away from life's troubles, but to love in the midst of them. The problem for us is that too often we attribute our troubles and our problems to, you know, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, typically the ones, you know, who voted for the other guy. And we want nothing more than for them to be away from us. We're, we're in a time right now where we're having this sort of, what we might call this, this ideological strife where if someone doesn't agree with you politically, or if someone grew up in a different neighborhood than you, or looks different from you, they're taught that, you're being taught that they are the other, that they are to be despised or put down or removed or kept away from you. We're worried that if we begin to talk to them or listen to them or associate with them, they might infect us with their ideas, they might infect us with their view, or worse, they might even change our mind. And so we want to keep them away from us. We want to remove them from us. We want to silence them and not have to deal with them. We just want them to be out of sight. <laughs> Last week, uh, I, I was quarantined because, you know, I had a conversation with a guy who didn't wear a mask, and I didn't wear a mask, and we thought it was cool, and it turns out it wasn't cool. Uh, it turns out uh, he actually had the disease. He had uh, COVID, and so he calls me the next day and says, hey, you should probably stay away from people uh, because I have, I have the disease. And so I was quarantined for a week, and it turns out, thank God, I was, I was healthy and okay, and thank God he's doing well, and, and he's doing uh, much better now. But that was a strange experience because I had to be kept away from everybody. I had to be kept uh, in my kid's room. And I was quarantined, kept away from people so that I wouldn't infect them, so I wouldn't impact them in a negative way and give them the disease. And it, and it seems to me, as, as smart and as wise as that is <laughs> with, the, with the pandemic, the thing that worries me is that this is what we want to do to people we now disagree with. We just want to put a mask over their mouth so we don't have to listen to them anymore and shove them off somewhere so they don't infect us. We don't have to deal with them. You see, this is not the way of the gospel. This is not the way our God works. And in fact, this is really what makes the entire account of the manger, the entire account of Jesus and his birth, so utterly strange to us. Because you see, ours is a God who doesn't act like us at all. He runs in the opposite direction we would expect him to. As the building is burning down, ours is a God who runs into the building to rescue those who started the fire. He doesn't run away from this world until it purifies itself. He doesn't run away from this world until it makes itself right. He doesn't want run away in fear, but actually runs towards in mercy, in love, and with hope. He's not afraid of being infected by our sin. No, in fact, he comes in our flesh so that he might put sin upon himself. He who is without sin comes to take our sins upon his own shoulders that he might suffer and die for them. He comes and is laid in this humble manger and from there carries our sins all the way to the cross. He's not afraid to be found in the muck and the mire and the lowliness and the flesh and the mess of our lives. In fact, he comes into the mess to rescue us and save us. He's not afraid of being dirtied and infected by our sins because when he shows up, he purifies those sins and he forgives them. 
This world is too much for us to handle, but it's not too much for him to handle. 2020 was too much for you and for me, but it was not too much for him. And 2021 will be too much for you and me, and it will not be too much for him. And so he is the one we must turn to in the midst of all of this. Not turn against our neighbors, turn against those that we think are victimizing us, but rather turn to the one who can actually rescue and redeem us and save us. You see... He sees you. He sees you in your fears and your struggles. And just as the angel was sent to Joseph to tell him not to be afraid, so he sees you tonight and he sends you his word. And it's the same word. The Lord Jesus says to you tonight, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Yeah, the last year was rough, but I haven't left you. And the next year might scare you, but I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. For I am the God who is with you, your Emmanuel. Your sins of the past year may shame you. Your sins of the present and the future might frighten you. But the Lord Jesus says, look, I've come to forgive those sins. I am the God, says Jesus, who forgives you. And you who tend to hold sins against others, you who hold their sins against them, you need to understand that I'm the one who's come, says Jesus, to hold your sins against myself and to hold their sins against myself as I take credit for them and die for them and leave them in the grave. This Jesus has come in a lowly manger to die on a bloody cross in order to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins and yes, for the sins of of the world in order that you and I would be forgiven by coming in the flesh by becoming incarnate God runs into the world and shows himself to be a God of inexplicable love who doesn't run from our sins but pays for them with his own blood and in doing this he actually opens up the future this Jesus who was born and died, also rose again from the grave to save you. And with that resurrection, he brought you a promise. Not an empty promise, not a Frank Sinatra promise that next year all your troubles will be far away. No, that's not what he says at all. But he does promise you an eternity. An eternity free from death, free from sin, free from sorrow, free from pain. An eternity in his presence full of joy and peace forever. In this promise, he says, you are forgiven and you are saved because he has come for you. He comes to you and he loves you. So I'm sorry to tell you that next year your troubles won't be miles away. But I am delighted to tell you that neither will Jesus Christ. In fact, he is as near to you now as the word I proclaim to you. And this true uh, this word is true for it is from the mouth of god himself you are a beloved child of the heavenly father you are forgiven for the sake of christ jesus has not run from your sin or your problems no he has run to you in love and mercy and made you his own forever merry christmas amen let us pray Almighty God, we thank you for the mercy you have shown us in Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that his love and his promises would sustain us and would carry us, not just through the rest of this year, not just into next year, but into life everlasting. 
We thank you for the salvation that is ours through him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.